Oh my gosh, it's been so long since I've done an intro to this podcast. Oh, I'm recording. Oh my gosh, it's like a whole new podcast, but it's not. It's still People Are Wild. I'm still Kim, your friendly neighborhood travel ER nurse of a host. Is that my intro? I don't even know. And I wanted to give you guys a Thanksgiving treat, a Thanksgiving miracle, some would say, in the form of an episode that myself and my friend Jamie did earlier this year. We are still in 2020 at the time of this recording. This is Thanksgiving week, so I thought maybe all of us need a little bit of a palate cleanser. So me and Jamie decided to do something special. It's not medical related at all. In fact, it's a recap of the childhood movie Chicken Run that I loved, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Also, thanks for sticking with me and like my unintentional hiatus. I am looking forward in the next year to rebooting this podcast and doing some fun things and doing some fun collaborations in the future. Please let me know if there's anything that you are specifically wanting from this podcast. I am all ears. Email me, tweet at me, tweet at me, people are wild. Email me, people are wild pod at gmail.com. And I hope you guys are staying safe. And I hope that we all believe in the good, especially going into this holiday season. It's been so long since I've been behind a mic, but my name is Kim. I am the host of People Are Wild. It is normally a medically-based podcast that talks about different topics or different things within nursing and healthcare, but I feel like, you know what, we know what's in healthcare right now. It's COVID, it's pandemic, it's a lot of other stuff that's going on that's been around for a while. So first things first, if you're not wearing a mask while you're outside and listening to this, please remedy that right now, like right now. And that's what I'm going to say about that in terms of the medical aspects of things. But I, I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of a palate cleanser to to my own timeline in a way, to my own mind, just for background for anybody who's out there listening. At the time of this recording, I am on my last day of quarantine because I got a work exposure from a COVID patient that was very high risk. And it was due to a fact that I got relaxed with my own PPE. So I did not switch from my surgical mask to my N95 while giving a nebulizer treatment. And I would highly, highly recommend to people that we are months into this. This is a long-term thing. So working in healthcare, we cannot let our guard down. And also people who are not in healthcare, there's a reason why we are asking you to wear a mask is because we need to account for the fact that people are out there that are high risk and don't know it. And we have to look out for each other. So on that note, uh, because I've been in quarantine, I have been left to my own devices. And so this is how we end up with an episode that we're going to recap the movie Chicken Run. Okay, there's a we in here. So there is a second person who is theoretically sitting across the table from me, but not really. We're social distancing from states apart. <laughs> behind our various microphones. And and we are. We're going to review the the 2000, we looked it up, 20 years ago, cinematic classic that is Chicken Run as a bit of a palate cleanser for ourselves and hopefully for anybody who's listening as well. And also because Netflix announced not too long ago, they're going to be making a sequel to it with Nick Park and Peter Lord. If you don't know their names, why don't you? They're the Wallace and Gromit dudes. So that, uh, Jamie, just introduce yourself. You, although she's back, actually. You've heard Jamie before in a previous episode. Yeah, this is round two or three for me. Round two? It's round two because I lost the audio. That's for, right. That's um, right. Oh, we were would make round thwarted. Three. Mercury must have been in a retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> Mercury's been in retrograde for a full on year. 
Yeah, it literally is right now, though. Yeah, until July 12th. So we've got a couple a couple weeks of this. Yeah, so obviously I love talking about movies. Um, I'm an actor based in Atlanta, and Kim and I became, was it Twitter or Tumblr first? I feel like it was Tumblr first, and then we moved to Twitter. Um, wow, this is taking it back. Uh, I know. Were we ever on Jezebel? Briefly. I didn't really comment on Jezebel. Okay, so you didn't do Saturday Night Social or any of that stuff? No, 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 no. But I met a lot of those ladies through Tumblr. Through Tumblr then. It was all through Tumblr. Yeah. Okay. So you got like the periphery drawn in. I don't, I don't even remember my Tumblr login anymore, but it, uh, it's apparently linked to, um, some other platform that I'm on. I won't tell you which one, but I use that sometimes and I'm like, I wonder what's going on with my Tumblr. <laughs> uh, but I, I couldn't tell you my password. Yeah. 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 My Instagram still like auto posts to mine. I mean, I use it to lurk. So. During quarantine, I've gotten A, back into childhood movies, clearly, and B, back on Tumblr. And it's really interesting to, like, see, I mean, people are just grown up, which is weird. Like, we're all, like, everybody's, like, over 25 now, which is strange. We were all making, like, memes before they were really memes. And, and like, I knew a lot about TV shows through the GIFs, not GIFs, because I'm an American. <laughs> um, I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> it's almost the 4th of July. I mean, I guess. It's that raging patriotism running through my blood. <laughs> um, and hopefully COVID antibodies. But no, I I remember I would always see like movies and like little clips here and there. And I'd be like, I feel like I know everything about this show. And I never watched it. Like, I felt like exactly. I knew everything about Downton Abbey. And I've never <sighs> seen an episode. I have never seen a single episode of The 100. But I could probably tell you every single plot point. <laughs> Just oh, God bless everyone, them. Lord help us. But yeah, so we go way back. We do, we do go way back. And this is funny because this is like in the age of okay. So, so uh, well, this is going to be a tangent of mine. But I've also because I've I've been in two weeks quarantine. I've been watching old like clips and episodes of To Catch a Predator. And um, yes, oh my God, yes. guilty pleasure. Yes. So uh, why don't you have a seat? Uh, so. That is vintage Dateline. Some people who don't know, Dateline didn't always, uh, wasn't always about true crime, wasn't always about murders, disappearances. It was kind of like uh, Nightline in a way, I guess, where it would kind of cover a lot of different topics. Maybe more, maybe more like old school, like 2020 and Dateline were kind of in the same realm. They were competing in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then Chris Hansen came on the scene with the to catch a predator series which really took off and really brought dateline i think more out out in the lead if you will versus 2020 and and so i've been watching a lot of to catch a predator and if you've never watched to catch a predator it's basically back in the day nbc worked with a couple of different companies that would set up basically internet sting operations to trap Men, I never have seen any. I don't know if if there's any Dateline historians out there. I don't think there's any female ones, but it's usually men, adult yeah. males, who are being lured in with the promise of sex and like sexual acts and all this stuff with underage kids. So these grown adults pose as them. They're on the chat rooms. They have grown adults, <laughs> grown adults with like the fakest voices pretending to be teenagers over the phone. And then they set up like a sting house uh, where there's cameras, cops and Chris Hansen. Yeah. And uh, the phrase, the chat logs don't lie kind of came from that. If you're actually a fan of YouTube, there is a channel called Anxiety War. 
that he does something similar, but he's a little bit different. He's younger. He videotapes a lot of his own stuff. And it's in like, if, if Chris Hansen's To Catch a Predator had a cousin that only shows up every now and then for a family reunion, it would be Anxiety War. And I, I like his style to an extent. He is a little bit immature in some of his earlier videos, but he's also of the same, like the chat logs don't lie. He'll set up meetings with these men and like get them all on camera. And then he just roasts them online for like how they talk. And then he also gets serious and is like, you know, this is gross. We need to take these people off the streets and he turns everything over to the police. So uh, vigilante justice, I don't quite recommend it. It's kind of unsafe to do, but uh, I get it if you're, so compelled to do it but anyway so i was watching to catch a predator old school and like at the 90s and early 2000s were just a magical time let's just like that's that's basically the whole summary of this tangent i mean lava lamps platform shoes like aol was just taking off and you can be connected for from like miles millions of miles away right to people all across the world yeah through various chat rooms and it was very much kind of innocent enough when you were younger oh you want to go ahead and talk about lizzie mcguire here's like 20 other people that you don't know that also want to talk about lizzie mcguire <laughs> and those sweet like lizzie mcguire dress up games on disney.com disney.com was the shit remember zoog disney listen i was a frequent frequent flyer <laughs> So uh, anyways, so, so I was watching like old school to catch a predator and stuff. And it's just like, it, it definitely is a different era of like when we were growing up with the internet versus now. And I feel like some of the stuff, you know, connecting with people, I was always told like internet strangers are like all bad. And now it's like, Jamie and I have never physically met, even though we've been in the same state city to an extent. But, like, we've known each other for over a decade. Yeah. And it's so interesting because with, like, podcasting and and kind of, like, what's happened in the last, I would say, 15 years of internet relationships, you don't actually can, you don't necessarily have to physically meet some people, and yet they are some of your closest confidants. So even though it sounds weird to me because I'm of that generation of To Catch a Predator and all internet people are bad and they're all predators, which some of them still are. It's it's interesting, though, to kind of grow into this world of like, well, not everybody on the Internet is bad. And in fact, some of them can become your like really close friends. You share in like their highs and lows and you get like these very expansive relationships with people. But I will just say this, just like in Catfish, if they're not willing to video chat with you, there's something wrong there. One hundred percent. Like if they can't send you like a quick like IG DM video or like quick snapchat or like a quick facetime or something i'm always like mm. it's sus it's super sus yeah 100 percent. no sorry i was thinking about that actor that played you we were talking about the like terrible not terrible actors but like the actors who played the little kids on to catch a predator that girl that played the 13 year old like she looked younger than she was but i don't know if she looked 13 you know i'm always like um they were always like they're from the local college yeah it's like are they from the local community theater in the community college because that's okay too yeah i've seen the plenty of community college theater that was fantastic 100 percent. just you know what just let them be real i hope those i hope that those decoy actors are doing okay yeah i think about them. i hope they're doing okay i hope the maury decoy actors are doing okay <laughs> I hope any decoy actors out of the 90s and early 2000s are doing okay. I hope your lives are okay. Reach out if you want to tell like your story wish. on a podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, I also want to know what it's like to be, especially if you're like from Maury or like Jerry Springer decoys. I definitely want to know what that's like. Yeah. Also, I should, before we get into this, I told you off the recording, off the mic, whatever you want to call it, but I do have a Dolly Parton prayer candle lit. Amen. Courtesy of a in Dolly We Trust vaccine, vaccine, vaccine instead of Jolene. So, and it was sent to me, which I've, this is really cool. I, it's awesome that people send me candles. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, being in quarantine, I've spent some money on some candles, but my Dolly Parton prayer candles came to me courtesy of the Spooky Adventures of Alec and Sam podcast. You can follow them on Twitter, Spooky Alec Sam, and I'll make sure to send a link over to them, but they are from Arizona, hometown shout out, home state shout out right there. So go check them out spooky stuff yeah and jamie loves spooky stuff i do she's been planning up for halloween 2020 uh, with the hopes that halloween 2020 is actually going to happen i need everyone to wear their damn masks so i can have my big uh, blowout that i have every year but if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen i'll do it virtually but i mean you know how i am about a zoom party yeah it'll be a zoom i was thinking about doing a twitch one too i have a friend that's a dj who just got partnered on Twitch, which is like getting verified on Twitter, but better. And she, because like, obviously all of her income got taken away because all events got canceled. She's actually like made a good little living like off of Twitch DJing. And I love that idea. So we'll see what happens. I don't know, but this is July 1st that we're recording this. And as of July 1st at home, the store, like the home goods type store at home had started putting Halloween stuff on shelves in stores. And I have resisted the urge to go look at it in person because it's not essential. But I've been very tempted to go like right when they open, like on a Monday morning when no one else will be there and obviously wearing a mask. But we'll see. We'll see you guys. Halloween is life. And like maybe if maybe if things manage to clear up in like three months. But uh, let's be real. That prospect isn't looking super strong right now. I mean, we've been going at this for over three months and I feel like we're still at square one. A hundred percent. Like, that's what I keep telling people is like, I know we said we weren't really going to talk about COVID, but like. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh shit, I'm trying to make this like a palate cleanser. And here we are not even talking about chicken run yet. But we're being real. We're being real. You guys, we're being real. This is like what conversations I feel like turn into is like, oh yeah, I want to do this and this. And inevitably, even if it's not directly on the forefront, there's a reason why you can't do one thing or the other and it's probably due to COVID. Exactly. Well, how about this? Why don't we run away from reality? There we go. And uh dive into this recap. Yes. Okay. So we are gonna get down to business here. So we are gonna review the movie Chicken Run. We both got excited because Netflix did announce that they had bought the rights, I believe, to the sequel to Chicken Run. And we both, well, we both, uh, I think, had just like these moments where like, oh, my God, you love it, too? Okay, well, let's record it. So now here we are. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, so the Nick Park and Peter Lord are behind Wallace and Gromit. Their animation studio is called, what is it? Ar- Artaman? Ar- something like that. Artaman. Yeah. And so they've done a lot of the Wallace and Gromit. Uh, they've done the Pirates one and Chicken Run are the ones that kind of stand out to me. Yes. Those are the ones that I know, but I always, I think the reason why I like them so much is because of the Chevron commercials that used to have like the claymation car stop motion. Oh my God. The car. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pam, that just like clicked for me. Oh my God. They'd have, they, they were the same people yes. that animated it. Oh my God. That like just clicked me. The eyes are the same and the mouth, 
of each of the characters are the same. That's hilarious. Yes. And I think they also did uh, Paranorman, maybe? I think so. I love Paranorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they're in the same realm. Maybe. There might have been some influence there. So so we we both kind of like lost our shit over that. And we said, let's do something that's a little bit of a palate cleanser. And, and we're going to review the movie Chicken Run. Just off the top, I watched mine on Amazon Prime. I did buy it because I don't know why I didn't buy it before. Same. <laughs> I had, uh, growing up, I had them on VHS. And there were a few movies that always played in rotation. God bless my parents for putting up with them. It was Mary Poppins, a goofy movie, Chicken Rung, and I think The Lion King were like the top four <laughs> that were always playing in our household at any given time whenever, you know, the, I was being weird. Or whenever I got screen time back in the day, I guess. Uh, so, it, well, that and like the Discovery Channel. I was a big Discovery Channel girl. Big one. Like that's... Do you remember the brain surgeries? They would just play? Yeah, they would just like play whole surgeries. Whole ass of surgeries. Yes. And on Animal Planet, they would play like elephants giving birth. My parents were like, what are you watching? And I'm like, elephants. And they're like, what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. There was one about like bee swarms and like snakes and my dad always had them on because he was like it's scientific it's not gonna be bad and i was always watching but like through like you know the my little fingers in front of my face because it was scary but because there's blood but at the same time i'm like okay wait wait i kind of want to see it especially like the surgery stuff so i think like that should have been an indication you were much braver than me i never watched the surgeries i watched like um like any of the like travel related shows and then like every single paranormal show that has ever been put out. I've seen it every reality paranormal show. I feel like that explains see, doesn't that explain a lot? Kind of like how your formative years happened. A hundred percent. And I would watch like unwrapped on the food channel on food network. Oh, with Mark Summers girl. Yes. That intro is one of the most like soothing. Like if I ever have insomnia, I'll like put on an old episode of unwrapped. Cause it would come on like later at night. We love Mark Summers. I do too. I'd fall asleep within like five or ten minutes. Didn't he do Double... He, I know he did Double Dare, but doesn't he do like some part of the reboot? Like he's... I think he might be like the... Not the host host, but yeah, like you said, the announcer. But he does. And he used to do... They used to have Double Dare Live at Universal Studios whenever when they were still like a Nickelodeon part. Oh, I've been watching also during my quarantine. I've been watching a lot of movies of, or uh, videos of like theme park history same oh my god same i want to talk all about action park um defunct land if you go watch defunct land go watch theme park history go watch yesterworld fantastic channels they do a lot of good comprehensive research oh an expedition theme park i think is a, the other one i've been watching sorry oh i've watched the other one i haven't watched that one i'm gonna make a note it's so good anyways um chicken run is not i didn't see any rides based on chicken run negative i'm very disappointed chicken run is um there's no studios that have picked up on any of the animation ones either because so so here's the thing like the more that i go down some of these rabbit holes artemon animation made chicken run in conjunction with dreamworks for distribution right and jeffrey katzenberg used to work with michael eisner if you know this whole thing about michael eisner and how he basically almost ruined disney uh, in the late 90s. There's a whole YouTube series on that. But Jeffrey Katzenberg, I I don't know. I mean, maybe they were taking a risk with it. I think they were taking a risk with bringing something that was very distinctly United Kingdom based over for like worldwide distribution. Because I remember, you know, Chicken Run was interesting because it 
I think it was the first time I've ever heard like a Scottish accent in a children's movie. Oh my God. Um, I have so many notes on each of the individual chickens and like what their personalities are, but that Scottish chicken, first of all, that Scottish chicken looks like Professor Trelawney from Harry Potter with her glasses and her like big hair. I was like, Oh my God, it's Professor. And I was watching it with my significant other and he was like, Oh my God, she does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mr. Glitter Burrito. I, yeah, shout out. So for those that don't know, my Twitter handle is Glitter Burrito. And so that's what I refer to my significant other as, is the mister of my own name. (laughs) But yeah, so the chickens live on Tweety's farm and it's Mr. and Mrs. Tweety. And what cracks me up is that they call each other Mr. and Mrs. Tweety the way like Mike Pence calls his wife mother. Like, it disturbed me. Like, the first lines of the movie are, like, them talking to each other, essentially. And I'm like, what is happening? Did they just call each other Mr.? Like, are they married? Like, childhood me did not understand. I, like, did not understand they were married. Because, like, that's not what parents call each other. (laughs) That's true. The other thing that cracks me up is that, like, all the chickens have clothing. Or, like, assorted pieces of clothing. Yeah. It's like the Charmin Bears. Yeah. Well, one of them knits. One of the, like chickens knit so yeah babs and she's uh she's the one that's always saying you know maybe she's gone on holiday when like one of the chickens yeah so sorry there's gonna be a lot of imitations of accents on this you guys a hundred percent but yeah like the stop motion is that like i mean it is by the same people that do wallace and gromit which i love i always think of wallace and gromit go to the moon oh i always think of the cheese one yeah cheese gromit um, <laughs> I'm offending like every single British person in the world right now, but it also kind of reminds me of like, it's not as charming as like old Christmas specials that kind of has that like uncanny Valley feeling to it, which I think is why we were both yeah. drawn to it as kids. Like it's, there's something like a little off putting about it, but in an endearing way, like, I don't know how to describe it. No, it's it's definitely that. No, you're right. It did. It, it's definitely kind of like that. I don't know. It's that sense of nostalgia, even though it's not in a way, because you're like, this yeah. is something completely different. But I feel like somewhat, it's someone somewhat unnerving, but not. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just know that I was obsessed with it, and I think it was just because in my brain it was so many different things to focus on that it satisfied like my yes. overstimulation need. Same. Um, that happens with you know my ADHD and stuff. I think it was just like the perfect movie because. As much as I love Mary Poppins, the reason why it works for me at some times is because there's so many different things going on in a scene, especially when there's animation and live action. And I'm like, what's going on here? Trying to make sense of it. And then there's music involved. So like, I like those films that have like a lot of things going on because it can help me to like focus in a way. Or every time I see it, it's something different. And I feel like that's what's going, that must've been what was going through my head with Chicken Run is that the first time around, I was like, this is something completely different. I've never seen it before. The second time around, I was like, oh, I can actually focus on the story. The third time around, <laughs> you know, it's just like every yeah. single time you're picking up on something else. And then when you yeah. visit it, like years later, it still holds up. I, yeah. I really had fun watching it. In fact, I too. There's so many like good little one-liners. And this was before Shrek. Say, right. Exactly. DreamWorks distributed Shrek as well. So this, I think, was also their first kind of foray into, like, maybe a little bit older humor audience, like their audience tester. Yeah. Um, without losing too much money on a, a DreamWorks production. 
if DreamWorks is just distributing it, it's probably not as much. Um, and they can, you know, kind of take the loss if it didn't do too well. Um, but I think, you know, judging by the fact that Netflix is going to distribute a sequel and they're going to help with, you know, producing that, it still holds up uh, across the board. So we're going to get into it. And just so everyone knows, we both watched it on Amazon. Did you see it had a 4.5 out of 5 star rating? I was impressed. I was very Me impressed. Too. I was like, wow. I wrote it down in my notes. I was like, 4.5 on Amazon. Nice. Yeah, I know. Just for reference, though, I need to tell you, I think Yogi Bear, the 2010 joint that I also had to watch for something else uh, that'll be coming on down the line. It also had a 4.5 out of 5 star rating. What? Again, I remember nothing about that movie other than Justin Timberlake being in it. So it's, we'll save that. We'll save that recap for another episode. That's called a tease, everyone. <laughs> We're going to start off with this one. So um, just to get into it, this is, you know, stop motion, all that stuff. It's animation. So there are voice actors. So we'll probably try and f- figure out how we can address all this. But anyways, yeah. just to lay the groundwork down. It opens up, and I don't know about you, but like the the way that it opens up, just even with that like first little intro score, like the musical sort of touch to it, I was like, oh my god, I got goosebumps because it reminds me of my childhood, and I was like super stoked. I was like, I don't even care. I'm so into this movie, even if it doesn't hold up well. Like if it still does that to me, <laughs> right after years later, that's the thing with childhood movies that really you latch on to is like the musical little touches to it or like the lines and stuff, you get excited by watching it because you remember what it was like to see it when you were younger. So that music, oh, I was sold. I was already in. Did you know, Jamie, did you know that before they figured out who was going to voice Rocky, there was a whole smorgasbord of other people? I I did not, but I was shocked at when I remembered who voiced him. (laughs) We're going to get to that one. But I want to just let you know that I love seeing the little trivia thing when you watch it on Amazon. It gives you little blurbs. But I don't know how accurate this was because looking at it going, that one too? So the voice actors uh, for all the chickens are all UK-based voice actors. Um, Not really anything that like, you know, you'd be like, oh, that's Judy Dench or whatever. Like they're all UK-based voice actors as far as I could tell. Sort of like, you know voice actors here like Tara Strong and stuff where you're like oh I know the voice but I don't necessarily know the person but for Rocky who we'll find later is going to be the rooster the ones that got into play (laughs) uh, that it said on the Amazon trivia is Jack Black Nathan Lane Eddie Murphy Anthony Edwards we love Dr. Green David Arquette Kurt Russell and Bruce Willis (laughs) I want to know what that casting reel is like well, now I'm now I'm picturing Rocky, but with Eddie Murphy's voice, like the voice from like Donkey as a rooster. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, Nathan Lane. Do you think that was because he was? I was that a Birdcage reference? I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I was like trying to put two and two together. I was like Birdcage. <laughs> like that would be hilarious. Like a little Easter egg for the parents. Get it, Easter egg. But I was disappointed they did not pick Nathan Lane. So I should. I feel like I should tell them the reveal for those that don't know. Um, Rocky, his full name is Rocky Rhodes, which cracks me up. He's actually Rocky the Rhode Island Red Rooster, which is actually a type of rooster. It's voiced by Mel Gibson. And like when his name came up in the credits, we both kind of like recoiled. We were like, (laughs) there was a shock. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember that. I mean, and it's a stereotypical. He's the proud strutting American amongst all these. He's the yank. Yeah, he's the yank, as her dad says. Yeah, so they live on this farm. 
And it's supposed to be an egg farm, but all the chickens are like stressed out. So when a chicken stops making eggs, they kill it. (laughs) And they do it very like, they show it in the movie very bluntly. They don't show the chicken like getting its head cut off, but they literally have a slow-mo shot of a stump with an ax in it. And it's like, oh, what a dark opening. Yeah, and there's no room for like, maybe they got away. No, 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 no. Yeah, maybe she's on holiday, as Bab says. So it, so it, it is. Like, we, we open up with kind of the foundation being laid, I guess is what I should say. So we have Ginger, who is our, our main chicken, our main... Yeah, she's our heroine. Our henowin chicken. That's what I was waiting on. <laughs> I'm not going to make that many, like, good puns. I'm sorry. I'm not good at keeping those abreast. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, like, they all do have, like, their little, like, signature... I would say like more, yeah, like prop or whatever. So for Ginger, she has like this knit cap that's this green knit cap that's actually kind of adorable. And uh, it reminds me of the fact that like there's people that sew sweaters for chickens whenever it's cold out. Yes. So anyways, uh, so we open up with Mr. Tweety, who is doing a nightly patrol with the dogs uh, across the chicken farm to make sure that, you know, everything's on the up and up. And we find out later that Mr. Tweety has it in his brain that the chickens are organizing and Mrs. Tweety is like, it's all in your head. (laughs) So he does his nightly patrol and Ginger is our first shot with Ginger is that she is running and ready to make a break for it um, in between like his flashlight shining on the chicken farm. And so she has this spoon that she's procured. And I didn't even realize that for a while. I was like, oh, that's a spoon that she's using to shovel yeah, a shovel underneath the fence in order to dig a hole to go to freedom, if you will. And I wrote in my notes that it's interesting because in in the way that it opens up, it's like the chicken farm is fenced off by like barbed wire. It looks like almost. Yeah, the chicken the chicken farm is very like military barracks. Yeah, it is. I was like, ooh, watching this now in our current political climate of keeping people in cages. It didn't sit well with me for a second. So I was like, oh, okay, wait, no, press on. So I did write in here too. I love how like within the first few minutes of the movie, just the attention to the detail of like the expressions on everyone's faces are and how expressive they are. It's really like, it, it almost makes you forget like, oh, these are chickens. Like you're just like watching a movie and you're like, wait, oh yeah, they're chickens. Their faces and their they have fingers. Oh yeah, that that could be it. Because she does grip, she grips the spoon to like yeah, yeah, you're right, they do. So like the first thing I noticed, I was like, um, the chickens have literal chicken fingers. Chicken fingers. Hmm. Delicious. Um anyway, so so she's going and the dogs run after Ginger after she's had a few of her thwarted escape attempts and she's cornered, but then like it becomes this whole thing about like this montage, I guess, about how many times Ginger is trying to break out, but she's not breaking out for herself. She's trying to break everybody out and she wants freedom. And she is basically their little schemer slash leader of this ragtag group of chickens. Yeah. Which are basically all female except for one rooster fowler. And so we, in the opening few minutes we get like the montage of all of her rather elaborate escape attempts um that include a few of them are pretty comedic like when they're all trying to go underneath the feeder and then they can't really figure it out my i think my personal favorite is when they dress up as a fake mrs tweety and like try and walk out but then it gets snagged on something and so the dogs like see that it's all chickens and then they just like bulldoze through them 
that's my personal favorite. So that's like our, our intro is our montage of all these escape attempts. Um, and with Ginger being constantly like literally thrown into solitary confinement. And I was like, yeah, I wrote, <laughs> they put her in like the chicken chokey, like the chicken equivalent of the chokey from Matilda. Yes. And they throw her in there. And I was just like, so upset at that. You don't have to throw a chicken. Yes. And also like, if you notice the first time that we see Mrs. Tweety, She's kind of dressed like a chicken. She's got the fuzzy slipper on, the fuzzy slippers on, but like her hair is all up and she's got this thing around her collar of her bathrobe. I don't know. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, she kind of looks like a chicken. And then the way that their styling of animation is done, the chickens are just like we said earlier, it's a very specific style of stop motion. It's true. And it's very expressive, which I appreciate. I don't think it would work. This plot wouldn't work without, I think, that specific style of animation. Yeah, because it's a little dark. Yeah, after this montage, we basically get our intro to our supporting characters and everybody else. So we'll go down the line a little bit. Um, we have Babs, who's our, uh, she's our resident knitting chicken. I kind of liken her to like Rose from Golden Girls, where she's just kind of delightfully like, not ignorant, but just definitely like ditzy, I guess. Yeah, I just feel like she's a little out of it. Like she's very disconnected from reality. So I'm sure she has a horrible backstory somewhere along the way that has made yeah. her just like <laughs> completely dissociate uh, as a way of self-preservation. Also, that's very psychological look into the mind of a chicken. But Babs is our one that's constantly knitting and she says kind of some of the more ditzy lines i guess if you want to say it like that she's kind of like that comic relief comedic relief sort of because she's a dumb chicken instead of like a dumb blonde maybe what's her trope yeah i just feel like she's just the rose nyland of the group like you said definitely like they like you said they kind of all have their like own personalities and like so she's the ditzy one and then i feel like ginger is the bland of the i mean the rose not the rose Dorothy. The Dorothy of the situation. Sorry, I was thinking ahead. She's definitely the Dorothy of the situation. She's our, like, main girl. And everyone listens to her. And it's not like there's not, like, nobody necessarily questions her for, like, rank or anything. Everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, she is their leader. Yeah, and then, like, Fowler, the only rooster that's currently in the farm. The old RAF. Yeah, he's in the, he's the old Royal Air Force rooster. And then, like, I guess we'll we'll talk about that plot point when we get to the towards the end but like it's so funny because he reminds me of like uh a lot of a lot of people like my grandfather's age even my grandfather where they have all these stories but like if you drill too far down into them you know it's all a little bit of a a tall tale at this point kind of thing um i mean the fish the fish keeps growing yeah in terms of how many times you retell how big it was yeah so after we like meet all the chickens there's they so oh we passed over wait 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 we passed over the other two we have oh, Bonte yeah, yeah, yeah. who has like who has the high and tight hair um <laughs> yeah. and when we intro to her she's laid five eggs alone in that morning five and then Mac is like the resident like engineering type um glasses engineering is- she's the Professor Trelawney looking one yes. She is. Bunty is the one that's like the muscle, I would say. Oh, 100%. Like, Bunty is like definitely our like Rosie O'Donnell chicken. <laughs> In a live action remake. 
<laughs> Rosie O'Donnell would be perfect. But like Rosie O'Donnell from like a league of their own, Rosie O'Donnell. No, 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 100%. Instead of cats, we can make a musical called Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> they all have human hands. <laughs> yeah, they do in the movie, so why not on stage, you know? It actually would make more sense. Yes, and they can have uh, stilts for their legs. It's true. We're going to work on this one. We're going to workshop this for everyone. Yeah, I like it. And then we're also, I think, somewhat introduced to the two rats who are literal rats. Yeah, I said, I started calling them Cagney and Lacey. That's not who they are, but that's what I started calling them. Their names are Nick and Fetcher. Yes. Fetcher, (laughs) as in like, Fetcher, like fetch it, you know? And I guess Nick for like, oh, why don't you go and, you know, Nick that? So it it kind of makes sense because they end up stealing stuff and they trade for eggs. That's their preferred method of payment. And I looked that up and the voice actor for Nick is Peter Pettigrew himself. I thought so. Yeah, I was like, you traitor. But this was before. (laughs) This is before we knew better, everyone. Harry Potter, what a mess right now. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so, so they are uh, are two rats who who can get things. It's kind of like almost um like uh in the longest yard how caretakers, the guy that can always get you stuff in prison. Nick and Fetcher are the ones that can get you things as long as you pay them with eggs. I was thinking of Templeton from uh, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, that's also a good comparison. God, that just gave me a flashback of when I saw, I I saw Charlotte's Web like at a local community theater one year, and I was young, and the guy who played Templeton, like he was so hot. Anyways, oh no, that's when I fell in love with the theater. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) he could click his heels though, and I was like, oh my gosh, this man. What's his name? Eight year old you was like, what? (laughs) Like, let me go in this playbill real quick. Yeah, hold on. Let me do my research. No, um, it reminded me of the carnival scene in Charlotte's Web. But anyways, yeah. So they are trading off eggs or getting eggs and trade-offs for what they can get the chickens. Right, which when we first intro them, they are able to get Ginger a shuttlecock, which she can use as a bridal veil. So they don't really get like these stuff, but they can get you stuff. Right, like they're definitely scammers. You know, they're definitely... salesman snake oil salesman but they remind me of um they're jim baker yeah exactly yeah so yeah they're very they're scammers they're the the og scammers they would be on scam goddess they would i was just about to shout out Lacey. <laughs> we love scam goddess congregation okay seriously though if you don't you should listen to that it's very well done so we get back to this. We kind of have like the reason why we're introduced to so many people at once is because they're having their uh, roll call, which is when they Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy go through the farm and they kind of they, it is very militaristic where they all get lined up and they're all their egg totals are ranked by the day. And so this is our first introduction to like what happens at the farm. And there's a chicken there named Edwina, and she has laid no eggs, and she's in big trouble, y'all, which is what I wrote in my notes. And then I put parentheses, oh, she did. And um, that's basically what happens. So Edwina gets picked out. She hasn't laid any eggs in the whole entire week. So everybody knows what that means. And she ends up getting her head cut off, which is tastefully shot. It's just insinuated. I was going to say, they don't show it, but they, that's when they do the, the scene of the uh, stump and the axe in it. And like a thump. Yeah. 
So Ginger passes a note to Mac about her next invention and tells everybody that there's a meeting in Hut 17. That's not relevant. I just wrote down Hut 17 in my notes. (laughs) So Fowler kind of walks in there. He's the old rooster and he starts regaling all the women with like tales of like the time he was in the RAF and everyone just kind of plays him off. He is very much like that older elderly like person in your family that always has a story for everything that's going on. You can just, you could just be like, wow, I can't believe the cost of gas today. Um, it cost me whatever to fill up. And he'd be like, well, back in the RAF days, gasoline wasn't even around, you know, like what? Yeah. Like, there's always a person like in a family that does that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not to be like annoying. It's just because they've just seen so much of life. <laughs> You're a lot nicer about that than I am. <laughs> what would you say? I, uh, growing up, I was the youngest and also the only female. And so a lot of times I was like chilling out with my grandparents or like even like great aunts and great uncles. Most of my family kind of still lives in the same town. And yeah, I have a lot of memories of just being like, They've told me this story five hours now, or they've told me this story three times this week. Or, yeah, I mean, like you said, no harm, no foul. It's like a completely innocent thing, but it's like the fish gets bigger every story. But anyways, yeah. So the chicken, unfortunately, Edwina is cut short. And we find out that Mrs. Tweedy has a plan to make it not an egg farm. But the pan away for like when she's talking to him about it is you see like the carcass of what you assume is a duina. Like they ate her. Yeah. They're like eating chicken. <laughs> so while that's going on and you're like, Ooh, what, what, it, what's in her hand? She uh, sees this pamphlet or in her mail or something that says something about like making more money on your farm. And she gets that evil grin on her face and it cuts to ginger meeting with everybody in hut 17 where she unveils her newest plan to get them over the fence since they tried going under before. And that's a chicken catapult. So they use a turnip and they launch it and it splats against the uh, side of the chicken hut. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh, is that going to be us? We'll just be, it's literally like, guess what? Chicken butt. <laughs> so she's trying to like get everyone's morale up. So Ginger's trying to rouse everybody still, you know, to believe in the cause and, and to work out the kinks. And so she sort of does. Uh, and then she tells everybody kind of like rest up, you know, and we'll get, we'll get back started on this tomorrow morning. And so she walks out and she kind of does this thing with her, her chicken hands, her chicken fingers, where she kind of clasps her hands together. <laughs> and then she automatically puts them up to her face and starts to have a breakdown. And I was like, Ooh, girl, same. Yeah. I was like, this is uh, a little too relatable. 2020, the year of relating to uh, stop motion animated chickens and their emotional breakdowns. I literally wrote that. I said that she had a very relatable breakdown slash imposter syndrome question mark. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so once again, I am probably projecting myself onto this chicken. Yeah. So she, she does have this moment where she's like, I, she's frustrated. She's, there's like a kind of like an all is lost moment. And then in the distance, you hear a little like something, which will come into play later. And all of a sudden there's screaming heard in the distance. that's coming closer. And there comes Rocky Rhodes, the rooster at heart screaming. Did you notice what he's screaming? Freedom. Yes. And I was like, of course, because it's Mel Gibson, Braveheart himself. 
<laughs> that they have that are maybe that's part of the reason. I think it has to be. You think they purposely did that? Like they probably added that line in after he got cast. Yeah, it had to have been. Because this was 2000, so Braveheart was definitely still like relevant. Oh, 100%. Maybe not as much now, but it definitely was relevant enough that you can make that reference in a subtle way in a kid's movie. So there he comes screaming across the sky and he ends up like hitting like a weather vane and injuring his, uh, his wing, which is weird because he has fingers, but okay. We get our introduction to Rocky Rhodes. Yeah. He's just like the proud, puffy American and her first glimpse of him is flying through there, so she gets it in her mind that they can fly over the fence. But unfortunately, he gets stuck. And he gets stuck on... He, like, hits a weather vane, which throws him over into the power line. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the weather vane in the house. He hits the power line and, like, face plants in the mud. And uh, she's like, what is this, basically? And I think, in her mind, she was probably like, this is my ticket out. But he immediately starts brushing her off. And he's like, I've got to leave. i got to get out of here. But he breaks his wing. Yeah, so he gets hurt in his like little demonstration. So he can't necessarily fly anywhere. But did you pick up on how Fowler like automatically sizes him up? And he's like, I don't like that he's a yank. And, and while he's walking out, he says they're overpaid, oversexed, and over here. And I was like, oh, scene. <laughs> He was like, I don't want to be anywhere near this person. And also oversexed. Like, all I can think of is that when you raise chicks, you have to sex them, like determine the sex. And I was like, was that supposed to be a pun? Was that supposed to be a play on words? Yes. I think it was. Because I was like, yeah. oh, like sexing a chicken? I definitely had that moment in my head. I was like, yeah, we are overpaid. Probably oversexed. <sighs> maybe not in that sense. And we are over here. Full on Meghan Markle. Uh, so, so, and then also Rocky kind of terms himself as, you know, where he's from, he's known as the lone free ranger. And I was like, oh, like a free range chicken? Yeah. I was like, do what? So you're not, we're, we get you. You're not that sly over there in the UK, um, which probably wasn't supposed to be. So. I mean, probably not, but you know. Right. So Ginger, like you said, Ginger gets in her head that this is going to be their their ticket out. He's going to teach them all how to fly. And Rocky automatically is like, whoa, okay, uh, maybe I could squeeze them for something because my wings hurt, but like, I got to get out of here first chance I can get. But sure, I'll say I can help them fly. Because the man from the circus, I'm assuming it's the ringmaster, maybe? Yeah. This P.T. Barnum type. He's driving over and like rocky is about to walk off but then he notices like he doesn't want to be caught and back in the circus so he says that he'll help the chickens with trying to escape and teaching them to fly uh, as long as they hide him away from uh, the circus and mr and mrs tweedy and so that's that's our tentative agreement that goes into effect at that moment yeah so they start training to learn to fly, quote unquote. So they their training montage is like them doing exercises. Yeah. Do you ever, did you ever, when you were in PE, when you were younger. Are you talking about the chicken fat song? Yes! Okay, so I didn't have to do it in PE, but I had to do it as part of a movement class when I did conservatory summers in theater, which was like fourth through 12th grade, or excuse me, second through 12th grade. 
And so I had a teacher, we do that like, it was like once every other summer, we would do it like all summer as a warm up. But the chicken fat song is all I can think of. Can you link it in the show notes or something? Yeah, yeah. no, I could sing the whole thing, but I'm not going to. But maybe I'll link it somewhere. But didn't like JFK introduce that? I'm almost 100% sure he did. Yeah, okay. 1962. So it would have probably been around the time. Yes. The guy who wrote it was the guy who wrote the music man. Okay, that's always cool. That makes absolute sense. So Chicken Fat was the theme song for President JFK's youth fitness program. Yeah. Look at us go. Look at us go. Get it. Look at us. Yeah, so I mean I, I I that was not lost on me. So if that was the intention, we 100% understood it. that reference. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh go into another training montage with them like training to fly and Rocky leading them. And of course our two rats Nick and Fetcher are just like having the time of their life watching them fail. Oh, yes. They're they're acting like the uh Statler and Waldorf from like the Muppets. A hundred percent. Like they're just like making these hilarious little snide comments. And the chickens keep trying to fly and just like miserably failing. Like they're getting catapulted off a roof of one of the uh the chicken bunkers or the chicken barracks. And so eventually like it's Ginger's turn to fly and she goes to like pulling herself off the top of the chicken house, the chicken barrack. And she gets stuck and she's like in the air flapping her wings. And for like a half a second, you're as the audience, you're like, oh my gosh, she's actually flying. He wasn't lying. And then it shows her feet and she's literally on the top of the pile of all the other chickens that have gone before her to hop off. It's a great and they've moment. Just like piled up. Yeah. It's a good little like sight gag moment. I really appreciated that. Like it was like, oh, okay. A pyramid of chicken. I also like the one comment I wrote down that Fetcher says while they're in their montage and they go, it's poultry in motion. And I just thought it was funny. They have all the best little, I don't want to give away my favorite line of the whole movie yet, but it's towards the end. So eventually I think that they realize like, you know, nothing's going to help them physically within themselves and to learn how to fly. Chickens just can't fly. But at the same time, they also realize there's a new machine that's like coming onto the farm. Yeah. So at the same time, what kind of gives them a sense of urgency is the pot pie machine arrives and it's the whole new thing that Mrs. Tweedy is going to use to turn the farm around, start generating revenue. So Fowler actually like when the machine comes, Fowler, because they don't know what it is at that point. Yeah. Fowler decides to warn Ginger to not trust Rocky, that he has a bad feeling about him. And he's just basically like, he's just a bad influence. And so Ginger goes over to where Rocky's at and Rocky is basically what I call chicken wasted because yeah. he's like getting, getting proverbially like drunk on something and just is like regaling all the other chickens with like his tales of where he's been. I feel like he's eating the other, is he eating the chicken feed? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think they gave it to him. Yeah. But they're like fanning him and you know, Rocky is just a bro. He's in a bubble bath and he's, he's like total fanned. And like getting a massage. <laughs> yes. So Mac comes in and says, I, d- I think I figured out what's wrong. And she says that they need thrust. But just imagine that being said in like a Scottish accent. It's kind of endearing. Yeah. Um, and Ginger's just kind of like had it up to her eyeballs with Rocky and his toxic masculinity. That's what I wrote. Yes. But Nick and Fetcher kind of gave me a really good phrase out of everything that happens when Rocky is talking to them about 
getting thrust in terms of this belt that he wants them to get so that they can essentially make like a slingshot. He promises his eggs, his eggs to uh, Nick and Fetcher who really don't realize that roosters can't lay eggs. But they say this line when like Nick is talking to Fetcher and Fetcher says something dumb. Nick tells him, you stupid Norbert. And I was like, that is one of the best phrases I've heard for 2020. Just sum it all up. It's a stupid Norbert. So I don't know what that means, but if you're in the UK, can you tell me? Or Brisky from Turn of Phrases, can you tell me? Would appreciate that knowledge bomb. So he he ends up finding this belt and they can somewhat see if they can make like a slingshot out of it. But then what ends up happening is that they have their roll call again. And this is when we start getting into like them finding out the Popeye machine because Babs discloses at their roll call that she hasn't had an egg laid an egg in three days because of all their training they've been doing and everybody's freaking out babs actually has this moment where you can actually see she's based in reality for a second because she knows that like death might be imminent and and they have this like cute little moment where ginger like holds her hand it's so precious this little like tender moment where she just like grabs her hand and i'm like oh my god why am i getting emotional over chickens because you know that it's her friend. Like, Babs has been with her since the beginning. Tagline of the whole movie. Yeah. There's a backstory somewhere in there between Babs and Ginger where they were like, they were chicks together, I guess. <laughs> so then they realize that Babs is not actually going to be taken to be dinner. She's actually getting measured. And Mrs. Tweedy turns to Mr. Tweedy and says to give the chickens enough feed so that everybody's as plump as Babs is. And so she like the chickens lose their mind because all of a sudden they're getting a bunch of food. But before that, like once they walk away, Babs says this line that I love from that. And I like still reference it to this day where she goes, all my life flashed before my eyes. And then there's like a beat and she goes, it was really boring. (laughs) Like, I say that a lot of times. It was really boring. She's so cute. And like, as soon as they all start eating, you know, Ginger's like, oh my God, it's a trick. Stop, stop. And I think at that moment, like it really hit me how awkwardly shaped these chickens are. Like the animation of them. They are bottom heavy. They're IG baddies. They're like Instagram model chickens. Like they're skinny on top with fat asses. (laughs) 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 Like... They're tiny up top. And I'm like, the hips don't match, though. The hips don't match the rest of the body. <laughs> they are hot girl summer as a chicken. They are hot girl summer as a chicken. Well, listen, I feel like all the girls, all the city girls and Megan are like actually naturally shaped like that. And then like, there's a bunch of imitators. I feel like it's a uh, it's going to be a future Gen Z. Like that sounds like a something they would say is a you're shaped like a chicken from Chicken Run. <laughs> you're giving them you're giving them like some ammunition they're gonna be like oh yeah well i'm not yeah i know they probably don't even know this movie exists jesus christ um they will when netflix makes a sequel and they'll be like what the hell is this i know i'm in that weird like right it's it's weird like i'm i'm not young enough to be a gen z but i'm like a really young millennial and i'm just like not yet a girl not yet a woman not yet a woman mm-hmm. i know <laughs> shout out godney um, but the animation in this scene, especially because they, they all go face first to the chicken feed and they're all, they're all like bottoms up and their little legs are like kicking. And I'm just like, why are they all wearing like, they look like they're wearing pantaloons. 
<laughs> I don't know. That's just um, this is where my brain went when I was like writing down notes. Did you see though that in that scene, like Mrs. Tweety totally gooses Mr. Tweety on the she butt? She does, and he's like, "Boo!" <laughs> yeah, like I wrote in there, I was like, "Is this like getting her a little bit like hot?" Yeah, in the mood. I'm like, "Lady, what is <laughs> wrong with you?" Feed? Yeah, I'm like, "What the fuck?" What is that? Why she married Mr. Tweety? <gasps> So she can get turned on by chickens? What a fetish. Oh my god. Gross. Everybody has, there's a lid for every pot. She's a furry, but but for chickens? So she's a feather? I don't know. It's, it's, it's this very specific subset, I'm sure. Yeah. Where, like, it's a chicken affinity. I'm sure it's out there. I don't want to know about it, so please do not write in. I don't need to be on that subreddit. I don't need that subreddit. <laughs> in my life. I don't need it. I don't want it. Um... So yeah, so they, they're like, they're, all the rest of the chickens are like, awesome, we're getting all this feed. And then, you know, she's, Ginger's concerned by this, because uh, there's got to be something else in play. They wouldn't just let Babs, you know, live and then give them food as a reward. And then Rocky tells Ginger to, because Ginger says something about how, like, they're gonna, like, kill us all. And so Rocky kind of takes Ginger and is like, listen, like, cool it with talking about this whole death thing whenever you're making, like, all these speeches to them. And I mean, that is kind of, like, a good move, you know? Like, why can't we have something yeah. nice for once? But it's almost like living in, it's almost like living in times of a pandemic where you're just like, oh, a bit of good news, but overall, like, there's this, like, cloud of, like, mm, not so bad things are on, or bad things are on the horizon, you know? Yeah, you're like, oh, this is our sign that things are uh, taking a dark turn. So then it kind of cuts to Rocky telling uh, Ginger, you know, the morale is kind of shitty right now. Not like that. It's a kid's movie. And like you look over and like Babs is actively knitting a noose. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Babs. Super dark moment. Yeah. And I wrote my notes. This movie was cerebral. So Rocky takes it upon himself to talk to Nick and Fetcher and get a radio because he's like, let's try and improve the morale right now. Let's try and like get back to like that mindset of like, we're not going to die. We're going to get out of here sort of thing. Or at least like, let's not be so death centric, I guess. Um, Ginger, I would like to say is more of a realist though. Like she kind of sees it like we're either going to die. Well, she says it anyway. She says we're either going to die free or we're going to die being a pie, like sort of thing. Like either way we're going to die. We're chickens. Um, so I was like, oh, Babs is like, that's dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on holiday. Yeah. Uh, so Rocky, Rocky does try to improve morale and he gets this radio. And so there's an actual like, there's like a legit chicken dance. But um, the song that is conveniently comes onto the radio is a song that keeps saying flip, flop, fly. I don't care if I die. And I was like, um, aren't we trying to get away from that? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> we're gonna just okay but it also is like our chance to see rocky and ginger kind of have fun with each other and i also said you know is this like the footloose town because everyone suddenly knows how to dance really well yeah. and in sync with each other and it sounds like they've never had a radio for a while so i'm like oh is this like where secretly there were some like chickens that could have like been um super amazing on like a very specific stage for a circus or something that have been held back for so long from their dreams yeah. of being a chicken dancer. I was, it was, it reminded me very much of the town from uh, Footloose in that regard. They, it reminds me of um, 
every other like Disney musical movie moment where like it doesn't really matter where they are or who's around them. Everyone could just dance. You know, like every single Ugh. person, every single character can just dance. Like they're just good at it. Can you imagine being in high school and then all of a sudden, if somebody started singing, you were just like, "Oh, here we go! I know the choreography to this yeah. one. Hang on, hang on, I gotta get. Hang on, I gotta close my locker." Your feet all of a sudden just like start moving, and you're like, "Ah, shit! Here we go! <laughs> here we go! Another choreographed number I just inherently know how to do." Right, but it's a super cute little moment, and then uh, Fetcher and um, Nick. Nick, yeah, I keep calling him something else. It that's why I almost called him. But yeah, so Nick and Fetcher, they're trying to put the uh they're trying to like put their radio together and they're snake oil salesmen, so it's this big presentation about what quality work it is, but literally the radio like keeps falling apart as they're trying to turn it on. I do like that. And I also like the moment where like they're kind of like sitting up in the I don't know what it's called, like the little E. Raptor, yeah, raptors, yeah. Or raptor, raptors. You're right. I think you said raptors. <laughs> I was like, no, wrong movie. No, 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 wrong movie. So yeah, so they're sitting up there, and he's like changing out. This is what I thought you were talking about. But when they're like changing out, like the little Christmas lights, and he's just like, like Fetcher just turns to Nick, and he's like, "Do you want to dance?" And he's like, "All right." <laughs> and he just decides, like, yeah, it's so cute. oh, it's adorable. Their little friendship, and it's funny because like they wear suits and stuff, but they have like like little things over their feet almost. And I don't know. They're, they're a cute little duo. Don't know how they met. Would love their backstory in the sequel. No, I don't. I don't really care. Let's see. So we're at this point where all the chickens are dancing. Um, and then at one point during like the dance, Rocky kind of gets it within himself. Like he's going to be honest and upfront and let them know, like, I can't really fly. Yeah. And he like, his bandage comes off on his wing. And that's when Ginger is like, your wing's better. Tomorrow you can give us a demonstration on how to fly. And that's when, like, the lights flicker all throughout the farm. And when they, like, kind of turn and they see that the machine, well, they don't see it just yet. But we pan over as the audience and we see that the chicken pot pie machine is now operational. Yes, that's what I was thinking of earlier. So, Mr. Tweety walks back. He grabs Ginger to be their demonstration chicken. And then Fowler, like everyone's freaking out and Fowler tells Rocky, fly over there and save her. But then he says, no, 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 no. They'll be expecting that. Let's do something different. So he zip lines over. Fowler says, catch him with his pants around his ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Or catch him with their pants down. I just remember laughing really hard at that. Yeah, he says something about like Jerry too. He's like, catch him like a Jerry and put their pants around their, their trousers around their ankles. Yeah. I was like, what does that mean? I don't know, but it killed me when I heard it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, of course, yes, I know exactly what you mean. So they figure out some stuff to get Rocky over there by zip lining over. And then at that point, he he sees that Ginger's little legs are strapped into this machine. Yeah. We go into the, like the inner workings of the machine and they're dodging all these blades um, and like the gravy and the mixed vegetables and like this piping hot gravy stuff that like that she's supposed to be diced and, you know, pluck diced, mm-hmm. put the meat, whatever, baked all that stuff. And so they, they, at the whole time I'm thinking, this is what I, I like to think about during some of these scenes is like, Oh, this is the part in like the movie where you can make it a video game. Like, I always would think that with, like, X-Men a lot and, like, all these other, like, 90s and early 2000s movies, I'd be like, oh, this is a part of the movie that can be in the video game. 
I guess I still think like that in some ways. I love it. I love it. So we have them going through this machine and it really like does a good job of kind of like covering like, okay, this machine is definitely meant for chickens to be cut up, slaughtered, chopped up, whatever, and put into a pie. So Rocky attempts to save uh, Ginger and himself. And I said, could you imagine a rooster pot pie? Would that taste any different? Uh, Has anybody out there eaten like a rooster pot pie? I want to know your thoughts. I want to know. Yeah. Well, I just made all the notes about like, there's so many good little movie references throughout this whole entire movie, but especially this particular scene when they're trying to escape. So when they're actually in the oven, because like spoiler, they make it all the way into the oven. It mimics the trash compactor scene in Star Wars, like the original yes. Star Wars. And I started laughing and if my Nick was like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what's funny about this movie. My significant other. I was like, I don't understand. And I'm like, it's, it's Star Wars, honey. It's fine. And then they make it out of the oven and they start like trying to run down the like conveyor belt, but it's going the wrong direction. There's all these gears and he, well, Ginger sticks a wrench in the trap door to not the trap door, but the, the main door to the oven that closes and saves Rocky. So she ends up saving him. And then as they're like running away from the machinery, they've clogged up the gravy gun that's part of the machine with a carrot and it's like about to blow. And so as it blows, they are running down this conveyor belt slash like tunnel shoot thing that's part of the machine. And that reminded me of that escape scene in Indiana Jones. And I think it's Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. With the big rock. I'm so, I feel like I know that's like a classic movie reference, but um, yeah, they have the gears like coming behind them and they're like in the little chute, the little tunnel part of the machine. So they, they threw a lot of good little Easter eggs for parents and adults in there, I think, for a kid's movie. It was cute. I think so too. Yeah, you're right on. I think you're spot on on all those. This is a good time to admit I've never actually seen any of the Indiana Jones movies except for the, Ca- the Kingdom of Crystal Skulls. Oh, that one's not even that good. Sorry to anybody that liked it, but it's the worst one. Oh my gosh. I, didn't, I haven't even seen any of the other ones, and I know it's the worst one. I've only seen Temple of Doom. I've seen the beginning of a couple of them, of the other original ones, but I always like, it's one of those ones that like, they come on TV, and if I'm like at my parents' house for the holidays or something, it'll be like on, but I inevitably like fall asleep. They're good movies. I just... There's so many people listening right now that are like, oh my god. I know. They're like shook. I know. Sorry. We're awful. Yeah. I I refuse to apologize for, you know, what movies I do and don't like. But especially especially one that like those are two very classic ones that a lot of guys in particular have been like, I can't believe you haven't seen this. And I'll throw out like an actual classic movie. You know? I'm like, oh well Oh well, you know, that too. That too. But I'm like, oh, like, do you watch a lot of Fellini or maybe, you know, some, and I'll just throw out some like random classic filmmaker and they're like, who? And I'm like, yeah, never mind. <gasps> the shade of it all. If I really just want to like lay it on. But anyways. Wait, I have a quick question then. Do you like Back to the Future? You can be honest. I mean, it's fine. I, this is I'm probably going to get crucified for this. There's a lot of classic 80s movies that I don't like. Like the big blockbuster ones, or obviously I have a soft spot in my heart for Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. First of all, Jurassic Park was 90... It was 93. Three, yeah. I almost said 94, but it's 93. Jurassic Park is 90s. There's a lot of like later 80s. Like I love Beetlejuice, which I thought was 90s, but I think it was 89. 
And then that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And there's a lot of classics that I do like, you know, Ghostbusters. But there's a lot of classics that like, uh, I my friend Britt was outraged. I don't like Dirty Dancing at all. There's, okay, so when you actually like read like the actual plot, you're like, really? That was the plot? Yeah, that's it. That's the whole movie. There's an abortion subplot in this movie? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah, there's other classics that I do enjoy, but I just feel like a lot of uh, early to mid 80s stuff is just not my jam. That's all. It's just not my favorite. When did Point Break come out? Oh, man, we should talk about we'll have to talk about it as a different episode. But then the remake of the of Point Break was a lot like really? a two hour like stylistic shots. Yeah, it like, was a lot oh. of like GoPro footage. Oh, no. Okay, well, then I'm going to have to definitely watch it after I watch like the original again. I- I've watched it, people, but, you know, it's Keanu, of course. There's a Keanu thumb that happens informally like every day of my life. Okay, nice. so we got to go back to chickens. Sorry, guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they make it back from the machine. They, they Rocky and Ginger are both. Oh, I just realized their names are like Rocky and Ginger. Like the duos. Like um, Classic Hollywood. Sorry. There's... <laughs> There's there's connections being made by in my brain and I need to like tell them to calm down. Um so they end up right before they get out of the machine, Rocky I think gets hit by the little sticker that says Mrs. Tweety's chicken pies. Yeah. <laughs> she ends up Ginger ends up like ripping it off of him and he's like, "Oh." But it doesn't actually pull off any of his feathers. It's he he doesn't get plucked. No, it, she pulls the sticker off and he says, ouch, but I guess they didn't want to animate it or I guess it was hard to animate because he, nothing happens. Like there's no feathers that come off of the sticker. <laughs> we can't devote that much time in like our, our claymation stop motion process. Yeah. Anyways. So they bring it back to the farm and that's, Ginger was right. They do want to kill them in a way. And so everybody goes a little bit crazy with that. They get, uh, they, they're freaking out. And Babs has another line that says, I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. I just love Babs. This is why I am Rose on every single Golden Girls quiz I've <laughs> ever taken. I feel like now would be a good time for me to personally disclose I hate chicken pot pie. And it's not because I'm a vegetarian now. Even before then, I hate chicken pot pie. Hate Do it. Do you really? Hate it. It's, I don't know if it's like, it's too much because I love pie. Like, I love of course I love like any sort of fruit pie, but like when I was in Australia, meat pies are big there. Yeah. Sausage rolls. Delicious. In fact, I have somewhere in one of my things, uh, a vegan version of making a meat pie. So like I'm into like meat based pies. That's fine. Right now I can't because of just, I have to be more plant based. It's it's a sad struggle, but you know, whatever. Before that, though, I had an amazing roommate who would always make food for us. Both worked in healthcare, so it was like every other week we'd make like a batch meal, whatever. So she made chicken pot pie one time. She sent me a message and was like, hey, I left dinner in the fridge. You know, if you want to grab some. I said, sweet, thank you. And I walked down there and it was chicken pot pie. And I was like, no, it's just, uh, no, no, no. I said, I guess I'll have like a PB&J. I'd rather have PB&J. Right. Like you were like, I'm just not going to eat this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I took a turn and was like, uh, this is not my week. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't, it wasn't anything on hers. Don't tell me that yours is better. I did It's probably not. I think it's just because I feel like it's 
it's sweet. I don't know. It's like heavy, sweet, creamy. Mine that I make has never been sweet, but go continue. Well, like if it's a cream based something to me, it's automatically sweet. I don't know why. It's why I can't, I can't eat fettuccine Alfredo. Also something popular that I do not like. It's awful. Oh, there's a lot of hot takes happening on this podcast. You guys, Yeah, I don't like fettuccine Alfredo either. Sorry to break it to no one. <laughs> if it's a cream based something, I I physically like I cannot handle it. You don't like uh, vodka sauce on pasta? Oh, <laughs> that's my that's one of my favorites. It's very heavy, but yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's like Am a I visceral still- reaction. <laughs> it's a great part of my life now that I've come to terms with aioli because it's opened the door for so many different things to be made. But and, and like I I can now like tolerate cilantro a lot better, but. I can't do cream-based sauces. Like there was something like somebody made like a creamy, you know, it was like a pioneer woman recipe. I wanted to try one time, not realizing oh. like the creamy stuff in there. And I was like, I was halfway through making it and I went, Oh no. And I made a huge mistake. Um, Cause I got to the sauce part. And so I was like, I guess I'm just going to saute all these mushrooms and eat just mushrooms for the, like everything. Cause I, <laughs> I don't know what I was making, but it was like a mushroom creamy something or other. If you know what recipe I was making, let me know because maybe I'll send you a sticker. And uh, yeah, I just can't do cream-based sauces. Like I don't like chicken pot pies for that reason because they have like that creamy weirdness in there. Yeah, I understand. I get that. I'm a texture person. Like if the texture is weird to me, I can't do it no matter how how much I think it tastes good, I guess. But anyways, different conversation. Back to uh, they discover that they're, they're, they're all going to be turned into pies. Yeah. So. After that, Rocky decides that he's probably going to have to leave. <laughs> like, he just wants to kind of, he's like, you know what? Good luck with all that. I could probably dig myself out of here by myself. Not really into this whole group thing. Thanks for keeping me safe for the past who knows how many days, but peace out. And this is even after Fowler, grumpy RAF rooster Fowler, apologizes to him for basically like judging him before knowing him. And everybody else is like getting more and more comfortable with him. So he ends up kind of like trying to reflect because I think Fowler says like, you can have like the whole bed or something like that. Right. Cause it's this whole little bit about how he doesn't want to share with a yank. And that's when they first meet. And then yeah. at this point when Fowler apologizes, he even is like, just take the whole bed. Don't even worry about it. And you know, you've done such good work for all of us. And so he's, I think Rocky's really being hit by guilt And so he tries to go and kind of clear his head and he ends up crawling on top of the little chicken coop and he finds Ginger up there. So Ginger expresses like her appreciation and, and her gratitude for him saving her, but also that she longs for the freedom of the Hills. And Rocky kind of discloses that, you know, he, he doesn't want to let anybody down. He doesn't really want to be a disappointment. So again, I was like, Ooh, relatable. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't want to let them down. He doesn't want to like, give up basically rocky's moment arrives the very next day everyone's getting excited he's gonna fly and then like be able to teach them and like you know get outside and help them whatever right so they're all excited which actually that kind of was like a plot hole okay so if he flies what's gonna happen is gonna fly and get help for chickens like a rooster what I guess maybe it's almost to be like, oh, he can fly, he can fly back, and then like maybe we can trust him more. So I guess Ginger still doesn't completely trust him in a way. So the moment arrives and he's nowhere to be found. So they go into Fowler's little coop and 
Rocky's left behind essentially a a dear ginger letter on the bed, but it's actually in the form of the rest of this poster that they had. So he came with like a poster sort of thing that was ripped and the bottom part was ripped off. And all that they had, uh, all the chickens had was this photo of Rocky, like smiling and like flying through the air, except Rocky had the rest of the poster. And so they have this big dramatic moment where Ginger's walking up to the poster with the rest of the poster. And then you see her complete the picture. And it turns out that noise that they heard the first night when before he came screaming across the sky was him being shot out of a cannon. So Rocky is a fraud. And that's what they all find out at that moment. And that's his version of thrust uh, is being shot out of a cannon and he can't fly at all. So it's almost like, Buzz Lightyear, you know, falling with style. I was just going to say, it's exactly what I thought of is the big reveal that Buzz can't actually fly. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I don't know. That movie is like 25 years old. Yeah. It came out before Chicken Run. Yeah. If you still haven't seen Toy Story, what's wrong with you? Get it together. Yeah. It's a great movie, but see a Bug's Life as well. Should have had a sequel. Never mind. Another, another podcast. So we continue on. And of course, you know, this is the big dramatic, uh, third act almost interlude, right? It starts to rain because that's usually what happens whenever things get dramatic in these movies. And we find out kind of, you know, it opens up to this spoon laying by the fence and Rocky has dug himself out of the chicken farm and basically been a selfish, unmasked bastard and uh left he literally just leaves them yeah he's just like here's your spoon like well at least he left the spoon he could take the spoon with him yeah the other thing the other little reference that i kept catching there's one shot of the spoon like in the mud underneath the fence like halfway out halfway in and i just completely non-sequitur out loud just say shawshank yes i wrote that in my notes i was like shawshank uh, nick was like what my boyfriend was like, excuse me? And I was like, Shawshank, honey. Like, Shawshank. And just, anyways. Oh, I love it. I love how both of our minds were like, oh, yeah, Shawshank. Yeah. So <laughs> he's, he'd been building that tunnel for years. So now the chickens are basically starting to turn on each other. Like, they all start accusing each other. And, like, just, I, I think it's kind of another all is lost moment where, like, their one source of hope, gone. He's he's ran away and Ginger's at a loss and she's not, you know, she's not able to really like gain their trust again. So everybody's turning on each other. And then Fowler kind of tries to kind of get command over the situation only to really get into it with uh, Bunty, our Rosie O'Donnell League of Our Own uh, chicken. And then it just becomes like a free for all. Like Bunty, doesn't Bunty like punch him in the face? Yeah, it's like a whole brawl. Well, no, no, he hits her over the head with his cane. That's right. And then that causes her to hit him before, but before he can, before she can hit him, he immediately launches into the classic, like, Oh, I didn't mean it. He's like, I'm terribly sorry. Please forgive me. I made a huge mistake. Like he immediately starts trying to apologize. And she's like, nah, catch these hands and like (laughs) lays him out. And it starts this whole chicken brawl in the yard. And Ginger's like despondent. She's like, I give up, you know, like if this is what we're devolving into. She also kind of, like, has this moment of inspiration, though, because I think, like, Fowler's getting, like, choked out or something weird is happening. Yeah. She's, like, he says something about the old crate, and she goes, what does that mean? And, like, Fowler gives more information about when he was in the RAF, he used to fly in the old crate. They used to have the old crate. 
And she was like, what does that mean? And it's an airplane. <laughs> what, what? And I wrote down because he always says what, what at the end. He's like Sam the Eagle. He's the like, the British version of the Sam the Eagle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the UK RAF version of Sam the Eagle. So their their hopes are kind of back in play there because Fowler might be able to help them with making an airplane and then they can get out. So they contact our two favorite friends, Nick and Fetcher, and they strike up a deal with them that they will give them eggs to get materials. And there's another little montage that happens. Nick and Fetcher are getting like tools at the same time as Mr. Tweedy is trying to fix all the repairs to the pie making machine. It's like there's a race against time. Like who's going to get, but who's going to get done first is what I should say. Is the machine going to get fixed first or are the chickens going to build their flying machine and get out of the chicken farm first? And there's this funny moment where Nick and Fetcher are going to steal tools from Mr. Tweedy. So they like dress up as gnomes, like, but not dress up as gnomes. They like wear the gnomes over them, which means that somewhere along the way, they clawed out all the ceramic stuff, I guess. Yeah. And they're like moving around and, Mr. Tweedy throughout the whole movie has been told it's all in his head with like the chickens organizing and the chickens being like a community in a way and working with stuff. So he like sees these gnomes actively stealing his tools and he's just like, oh, it's all in me head. Cause he's just like, of course, no, no, no. You know, I'm just stressed out. It's all in me head. I'm just stressed. It's, it's, I'm not just imagining these chickens walking away and like these gnomes moving around um, with my tools. That one sent me into like giggle fits. That scene of just oh, with the gnomes. Yeah, that, I, I laughed. Like I had to like pause it and get it together. I just am like they are messing with Tweety's fragile grasp on reality as they steal his tools, and they don't really even notice it. They're just like, oh, we're just gonna steal it. And like Mr. Tweety is having probably a full on breakdown inside, where he's like, "What's real and what's not? Is this the real thing or is this just fantasy?" Um, we don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so again, it's a race between the plane getting built, the old crate, or the machine getting fixed first. Um, And then we catch up with Rocky. And so he ends up somehow managing to get his little chicken rooster fingers on a radio and a tricycle. And he's, he's like just living it up as the lone free ranger, the free range chicken. And then he's pedaling his little bike on a street that has no other cars, apparently. Yeah, it's like a little country lane. Yeah, it is a country yeah. sign, so maybe they don't. And he sees a billboard about Mrs. Tweedy's chicken pies, and he automatically sort of like the tagline for the the tagline for the pot pies is a woman's touch. Oh yeah, that's right. Because um, when they were first doing the machine around, Mr. Tweedy asked Mrs. Tweedy, and is like, "Well, how come it doesn't say Mr. Tweedy?" And she says to him, "There's something better about a woman's touch." Yeah, and I was like, "Ooh, that's her power move because it's his farm; it's his family's farm." Yeah, like she continually just takes this farm away from him. Tells him we're not doing eggs anymore, even though it's been three generations, and I'm gonna take over the chickens and I'm gonna put a new machine. Like, girl. So Rocky sees it all, and by the way, in the ad, like Mrs. Tweedy had some filters on that face because number one, she's smiling. Number two, she actually has like color in her face. And so somebody did a great job with rendering of Mrs. Tweedy. I said that, you know, Rocky uh, ends up with a guilt trip party of one and is basically just like, all right, I got to go back and help them out. I was like, character development. (laughs) (laughs) We love to see it. The royal we. Also, I just feel like I should also address that whenever I say we love to see it anywhere online, I'm using it as the royal we. 
which I just think is funny term anyways. It is. Just whenever I, I tell that to people like, oh, we love to see it. Somebody asked me one time, they're like, who's we? And I was like, oh, it's just me. It's a royal we. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We love to see it as a as a timeline. Um, so the machine now we come back and, and the machine's actually up and running. So we are now like in that final sprint. And of course, because it's not dramatic enough, it starts raining. Yeah. And Mrs. Tweedy says all the chickens are ready to be plucked. So we move into our final act. I literally was so scared of this scene as a child. Like I was horrified by this the woman. She was huge. Yeah. And she was scary. She was a scary woman. We already had seen her like chop a, a essentially chop a chicken yeah. um, and eat it. And she just was mean, except like that part where she gooses Mr. Tweety after watching chickens like eat. I was just like, girl, get it together. So they've started building the, they finished building the crate, their version of the crate at this point. Yeah. And so Mr. Tweety actually sees them using his tools. Like he pops the, he pops the coop open to like check on the chickens before they start making them into pies. And he actually sees them using his tools Instead of them, like, freezing up and doing almost like a Toy Story, like, Andy's here playing dead, the chickens are like, well, fuck it. It's either, you know, it's a fight or flight, literally. So they (laughs) decided to, like, attack him. They literally just brawl. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's mayhem in the best way. Um, And they end up getting the upper hand on Mr. Tweety, which is really sad that he has been uh, thwarted by a band of chickens. And he ends up being tied up. And... We have this dramatic reveal of their plane that's actually pretty well constructed. It looks really well done. Oh, my favorite part, A, it's really well done. But B, as soon as you realize that the wings don't just stick out, that they are... Uh, They're retractable. Like, they, yeah, they bend so that they can flap. It's amazing. And it's shaped like a bigger chicken. It's impressive. Yeah, that's the point where I just like, from that point on, from that reveal on towards the end of the movie, I just cackle at random intervals because it's so absurd and the physical comedy of this movie is genius just like any other like wallace and gromit movie would be um but because it's chickens it's like for some reason that just like tickles the this is funny sector of my brain and i think it's like the height of comedy there's so many good like sight gags in the last like 15 minutes of this movie it's true, honestly. Like I was, I kept pausing it and like taking notes, and then pausing it, and was like, "Oh, I missed that one." It's just a very fun film to enjoy. So we are getting up to like our little uh, less pushed until the end, and they they got the plane ready, you know, and it's all about that chicken power, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, like, they turn around and they're like, "All right, we need the pilot," and Fowler is actually sitting amongst the chickens, ready to like pedal, and they're like, "Aren't you going to fly?" And he goes. Ugh why would I fly? Chickens can't fly planes. Yeah. And so we get this reveal that he was an RAF rooster. He just was a rooster. He wasn't flying planes. And you're like, oh, it's like one of those moments when you call out like your your relative and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't add up. And they go, well, of course not. And you're like, wait, what? Why do you always tell this story? He literally says, why would they let a fowl behind the you know machinery, behind the rig of a, a big machinery? Um, and all the other chickens are like, what do you mean? Like you, we're going to die. They all start the, we're going to die again. But, um, 
And Ginger's like, no, no, you have to be the one to fly this. He was the one who inspired it. So, I mean, Fowler, to his credit, does have that sort of like military man style of like, all right, uh, if that's my mission, I'll do it. And so he goes up into the cockpit and he starts to give, you know, the orders. And sure enough, they get their flying machine started. They're pedaling down this pseudo runway. Did you notice, though, that our, our, our homegirl Babs was sitting on like their little, so they have like these seats inside. It's almost like a Viking ship, I want to say, but instead of like rowers, they have like pedals. This is another reminder of a classic movie. It reminds me of, yeah, well, I was going to say Ben-Hur when they're in the boat. Also, that movie scarred me for life in middle school because my middle school history teacher thought that was appropriate to show a bunch of eighth and ninth graders. Ben-Hur? Yes. Oh, we watched that in ninth grade for Latin class. Guess who took four years of Latin? Me. There's so many deaths and there's like a guy loses his arm. I mean, yeah, it's like kind of cheesy, but like 14 year old me was horrified. I was like, why are we watching this? I will tell you that for a good long time, I used to do the wrist grab in order to like shake people's hands. I'd like go up to their wrist like they do. That's hilarious. Were people just like completely thrown off? Uh, Yeah, it was great. And I would still do it again if we wouldn't didn't live in the times of Corona. Yeah, I was gonna say. Sorry, Corona is uh, taking away personal touch. That's okay. I do like the foot thing. I like doing the foot tap. The foot tap, yeah. I've done that a couple times with people at the gym. For those that don't know, I'm not just going to the gym willy nilly. I'm a, I'm a fitness coach, and we have classes that are very small and socially distanced, and we're wearing masks. Yeah, she's she's taking her safety measures. They're they're doing the best they can with what they have to do. So Fowler's in the cockpit. Babs, I've noticed, totally doesn't pedal. Um, she's like, the, it's again goes back to your thing with like the weirdness of how they're shaped. I don't understand. It's almost like that scene from the Muppet movie when we pan over to Kermit riding a bike and you're like, how did that happen with his legs? How is she doing that? Yeah. yeah that's the same sort of moment where I'm just like, how does this chicken that's very bottom have? Okay. Make that. Okay. But Babs is just knitting, knitting up a storm the whole entire time. Doesn't have her feet on the pedals at all. And then we get this like Star Trek reference with Mac who is Scottish. Fowler's asking her for like a little bit more power from everybody. And she responds back with a a delightfully Scottish, literally Scotty from Star Trek inspired. We're giving her all she's got captain. And I was like, Oh, I love it. Like the Trekkie inside of me, the Trekkie inside of me was like, Oh, we love a Star Trek reference. So Mr. Tweety though, ruins the lift off. So he's actually able, cause they tie him up with like, like Christmas lights, I think, or something to that effect. Yeah, it's Christmas lights. It's Christmas lights. They use it as the runway they lights. They do. So they use it as the runway lights as well. So Mr. Tweety's actually able to like stand up and like, I think kick over like their little like um, ramp that's supposed to launch them off. So they decide like, we're going to try again. So they kind of double back down on the runway. And Mrs. Tweety uh, at this point has gotten her, her axe. And this part was terrifying as a child. <laughs> Themes of the shining. Yes. Here is Tweety, and she like is just about to like get in that like death blow when Rocky like knocks both of them kind of off their balance and everything with his tricycle. So he flies over the fence on his tricycle and ends up with like the axe going in the air and then landing right by her head, and she like passes out from like the shock of it. Yeah. So we have Ginger and Rocky on the ramp duty to like hold it up because whatever Mr. Tweety did, they can't like have it needs to be held up kind of like an Armageddon moment almost where like somebody has to stay behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and and they get the ramp up just as the chickens hit the ramp and like launch themselves over and we almost like they they kind of they grab onto the christmas lights and rocky and ginger pull themselves up and they get this moment and you're like all right they made it and they you know they almost kiss which you're like oh chicken lips and then all of a sudden it's like a sudden like jerk down and sure enough mrs tweedy came to and she's a delightful stowaway how this goes into the physics of their flying machine then how can it hold a human with that many chickens yeah uh the chickens are literally there has to be like at least 50 or 60 chickens in order to pedal enough to flap the wings of this machine hard enough to lift a grown human woman (laughs) off the ground and keep keep at it and so we'll just well I'll, i'll talk about this part but she so she's hanging mrs tweedy's like hanging by this string of christmas lights and uh you're like oh my god she's gonna get her she's gonna kill ginger because ginger goes down to try and cut her off right yeah ginger goes down and she says uh she gets safety scissors from babs and so she goes babs scissors and like Babs is like digging through her Mary Poppins bag of sewing supplies, and it, it's and it's safety scissors, which really just sent me when I saw it. I was like, oh my god, they're kindergarten safety scissors. Yeah, so true Rose Island status right there. And so she is like trying to like cut it in half and like saw with it, but Mrs. Tweety is hacking away at her with this axe, and so she looks down and she looks at the cord and she looks at the back of Mrs. Tweety and Mrs. Tweety raises the axe above her head. And you're like, Oh no, I don't want to watch you. Know, like this is it. And at the last minute it's implied that she cut Ginger's head off, but they pan down to Ginger's hands and show that her head is still intact. But Ginger had pulled the cord of the Christmas lights taut. And so when she pulled it apart, like gave a little space between her hands Mrs. Tweety's axe came down like right there, like just thin enough to cut it. And she's got one end in one hand and one in the other. Again, chickens with fingers. That's how this is working, apparently. (laughs) And she lets the end that Mrs. Tweety is still on go. Again, defying physics because it's A, it's an animated movie, but also like... She has the strength to hold up an adult woman. To hold a whole woman, yes. And I'm like, what are they feeding them? It's that chicken feed. It's pre-workout for chicken. And so uh, Mrs. Tweety plummets to not her death because it's still a children's movie, but she actually falls into the machine, the chicken pot pie machine and causes it to like get gummed up and get stuck. And the gravy starts boiling over. The pressure starts boiling over just like it did when uh, the first go around. Yeah. Yeah. the, The first go around. And so when Rocky, I called him Red because that's what he called his middle name, when Rocky's saving uh, Ginger. And so that explodes and it, it, bur- it blows up their whole house, <laughs> which is kind of dark. But you know what? They hit the gravy train on that. But um, <laughs> And then Mr. Tweety has my favorite line in the whole movie. He says, I told you they was organizing. <laughs> it, just, it just sends me every time. It's second only to uh, we kind of we kind of glossed over this part, but as they're taking off, Nick and Fetcher are like giving the pre-flight talk, like their flight attendants, 
And uh, Nick is like, in the event of an emergency, place your hands on your knees. And then Fetra says, and kiss your bums goodbye. I love it. You know, I love it. It's one of my favorite lines. And that's in the trailer, I think. It's almost like a Jurassic Park reference, too, when he's like, hold on to your butts. Yeah. Hold on to your butts. So that's, so, so they, they drop Mrs. Tweety off. It explodes the gravy part of the machine. And yeah, they make it. That's the big climactic moment you know where you're like oh my god they're gonna escape and then it you know flashes forward there's like a yeah we get like an epilogue yeah we get an epilogue well first of all when once we don't i don't want to skip over this part but once everybody's safe on the chicken the chicken plane (laughs) the sanctuary yeah well uh rocky and ginger finally get to kiss and i'm i just have a question and Mm -hmm. i feel like it's on everybody's mind is how do chickens kiss if they don't have lips? That's why I said chicken lips before. <laughs> it's like chicken, chicken lips. <laughs> I don't understand. They just they just peck each other. It's literally like giving somebody a peck. Yeah, literally, they peck. They gave each other a peck. Bushel and a peck. Yes. So they finally kiss, and they're all they all the chickens say, "Oh," which is hilarious because all the chickens were swooning over him. So you know, there was one chicken that was like, mm, was not impressed. Yeah. One chicken was definitely a hater. <laughs> I give it two days. Yeah. And so uh, as they all swoon in that moment of the kiss, the plane takes like a brief dip because they've slowed their pedaling down. Oh, yeah. Fowler. Yeah. Fowler's just like, you have to keep pedaling. <laughs> He's like, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, but they make it. And then we get an epilogue and they're on this. Is it an island? I was never 100% clear. It says it's a bird sanctuary that they crossed out with, like, chicken spelled like the, like, it's like the the cows, the cows that spell, like, the Chick-fil-A ads, like, spell chicken, you know? Eat more chicken. But we don't really like Chick-fil-A. But they spell it, like, the C-H-I-K-I-N or something. It goes to this epilogue, and, like, there's little baby chicks, which, who is the father? I, I had that question, too. I was like, there's only one rooster. I'm assuming that Fowler, I don't know. Is too Fowler old. Like Hugh Hefner? <gasps> Maybe. He's surrounded by young chicks. Mm-hmm. He's like Papa Smurf. Oh, oh my God. How problematic was that? Yeah, the Smurfs creep me out. Yeah, I'm, I'm bothered by that whole premise. Yet again, something from the 80s that I am a <laughs> hater of. I'm like, no thank you. But yeah, so we get this cute little epilogue and there's all these baby chickens and I'm like, okay, like who's the dad? Mm-hmm. Maury, Maury, where are you at? Yep. It's a Maury episode waiting to happen. Where is Maury chicken? Jeremy Kyle. Cause it's the UK. Oh God. Yes. Thank you for understanding that. What's the engineer chicken's name? I keep calling her professor Trelawney. Mac. Mac. She's teaching the chickens. She has her own little like brood of chicks. And uh, she's teaching them physics at the end. And it's a very sweet and tender moment of like, oh, but yeah. And that's kind of the end of the movie. Like it's they they find paradise. So I'm very interested to see what the uh, what the sequel is going to be about. Is it a sequel or a prequel? Well, I think it's a sequel. Hang on. I'm going to pull it up for you just a second. So late June that they announced that they will be doing a sequel to uh, Chicken Run. It will be produced by the same animation company and it is expected to begin next year in 2021. So 
Just as a fun fact about Chicken Run, it became the highest grossing stop motion animation film of all time when it premiered back in 2000. And it only took 20 years for it to get a sequel. Isn't that interesting? Oh. Now, in the article, this is from Entertainment Weekly, and we were going to have this issue, too, because we said, what if Mel Gibson's back? Because after 2000, Mel Gibson's not really the best, most marketable person uh, in any franchise. There are so many good voice actors that could do a hundred times, a hundred times the work at 100% better quality. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping they go with someone with a little bit more voice acting experience, but we'll see. I know they'll probably attach some names to it. Well, it says it has been reported that Gibson will not return, will not return to reprise the role of Rocky in the sequel, and it will be recast. So Rocky is going to be back, but he's going to sound different. And that's kind of what they did with uh, Secret Life of Pets. Once everything came out about Louis C.K., they recast him with Pat Oswalt, I think, which was a fantastic substitute. Oh, I love Secret Life of Pets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Apparently, too, uh, this is not Mel Gibson's month, day, or even his year, because uh, Winona Ryder called out the actor, this was late June, for homophobic and anti-Semitic comics he re- allegedly made back in 1995. So um, try as you might, Mel Gibson, you're still uh, a piece of shit. <laughs> the sequel, apparently, will be the premise right now, is that they catch up with Rocky and Ginger living in a human-free sanctuary with their most recent hatchling, Molly. Of course, when confronted with a new terrible threat, they leave behind their peaceful island sanctuary behind to help save all chicken kind. I love this. Yeah. So that's going to be our premise. So it'll kind of be like, it'll be like a, my big fat Greek wedding too, where they had like their daughter go through like the similar plot. So that's what I was thinking. I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm I'm okay with seeing these characters again and knowing that up front they're like, "Don't worry, Mel Gibson's not going to be here." I, I think I'm a little bit more reassured going forward. It also sounds like a really good uh, be vegetarian, you know, kind of a uh, film. But I'm okay with that. I mean, listen, I'm all for ethical, better ethical farming. The free range, the lone free ranger. Yeah, we should not be having. A, I'm against factory farms. That's true. They're all stressed out in there. Uh, So final thoughts, Jamie. I give this movie 10 chicken fingers out of 10 chicken fingers. I was about to ask, (laughs) out of a five-star scale, do you support the 4.5 or do you want more? I think 4.5 is good. The first 30 minutes when they're like doing a lot of the exposition, I mean, I understand it's a child's movie, but like... (laughs) (laughs) But we we already were like imposter syndrome and stuff, so (laughs) we're taking this to a not-child level. Yeah, we've already applied the adult lens to it. The first, like, 30 to 35 minutes dragged. Like, I was like, this is a 90-minute movie, which I think the vast majority of movies should be about 90 minutes. I do, too. I do, too. Especially kids' movies, I think when they run between, like, a little over an hour to an hour and a half, it's perfect. It's manageable. It keeps your kids engaged for not too long in terms of, you know, if you're worried about screen time or whatever, you know, they're not just like stuck there you're like okay you know we could set aside an hour hour and a half for a movie yeah they'll they'll watch that um i think it explores a lot of like macabre moments without <laughs> going too too dark but i love that the punishment is on is not because they were farming the chickens it's because she well i mean they were farming the eggs but it's because 
she's greedy and she wants to do it, you know, bigger, better, faster at the sake of like basically, you know, risking the, a, the lives of the chickens and B like her integrity. Like there's no, they're punished because she doesn't have any integrity. And also like, to me, if you're, if your chickens are still producing eggs, but just not as fast as you want them to. So you're running short on eggs. Doesn't it seem counterproductive to then kill the chicken? Like, doesn't that stress out the other chickens? I was like, what happens? So she says like, get me all the chickens. So what was her grand plan? Is she going to be yeah. doing, is she going to be doing like frozen chicken pot pies? Because Gordon Ramsay would say that that's complete shit. If you're going to mm-hmm. just do from frozen to like, whatever um is cutting corners or was she advertising them as freshly baked pies that you can take home because if you're gonna how many like 50 or 60 chickens how much meat yeah do you need for one pot pie how big are these pot pies i I have a lot of questions because do do you what are you gonna do are you gonna have baby chicks constantly are you gonna have older chickens come in and replace like i i don't understand Make it make sense. I don't understand what her business model would have been. She really wanted to screw over Mr. Tweety. Maybe she wanted to just be like, I'm going to make him bankrupt and then leave him for somebody else. Yeah. I feel like she was, uh, cause she was taking down the family farm. Yeah. She was just wanting to like take the money and run, you know, she's going to drain him dry and then dip. But yeah, final thoughts. I, I think it holds up. I think it's a cute movie. You could definitely watch with your kids. For those of you that have kids, probably older probably like over the age of six i would say like seven plus is probably the age range for this i'd say so too yeah like at some point you you have to be able to talk to them about like the death jokes in that movie but yeah i can't wait for the sequel it held up the animation the animation is phenomenal the expressions on the chickens faces and their details and their feathers and their little knit accessories that babs has you know given each of the chickens I, I love it. I think it's darling. I, you know, again, it was mind candy. It's not some deep cerebral thing. It was total mind candy and I needed it. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I hope people like enjoy our little recap. It went a little bit everywhere, but I'm pretty sure it stayed on task. And just like, you know, do do things every day that kind of bring you a little bit of joy during all this. I mean, we're we're over halfway through this year. This year is very challenging for everybody in any way, no matter what you're doing or how you're coping with stuff. So make sure you're doing things that are good for you, that are healthy and are not destructive in order to kind of take some mental breaks, you know, doing what you do, Jamie, you're around people on a daily basis right now that you're subjecting yourself to, you know, possibly being exposed to a virus and, and same on my end with working in healthcare. So, you know, to take mental breaks, I think is necessary for, for what we're doing in terms of interacting with the public. Now, some people are still working from home. Some people are still able to have that sort of option and definitely keep using it. Keep doing what you guys were doing a few months ago with limiting trips, wiping down things. Like I said at the beginning, don't get lax. This is only a few months into something that's going to be pretty long term, probably for at least for the foreseeable future. So get over, get over this whole entire idea that we'll go back to normal really fast because we're not and get used to wearing masks, get used to wiping down things, get used to really thinking in your mind, 
do I need to go on this trip or can I just like wait until tomorrow and do things all at once? Like try and minimize your rates of exposure um, because that that'll go a long way um, for all of us. So start if you haven't started thinking about we instead of me, try and flip that script like as soon as possible because I'm telling you, I got friends in Arizona currently right now while we're recording. Uh, it is July. My healthcare friends in Arizona, I've I've known a lot of them for years, and I've never seen them so mentally strained in the way they are right now. And then having to be confronted with a general public that is so resistant towards helping each other out. I could spend hours on how selfish that is. But I'm sure if you see me in real life or if you follow my Twitter feed, you know where I stand. And I'm just going to say it right now, I have no patience and I have no desire to really be associated with people who are selfish enough not to wear a mask right now. That is your choice, but it is the wrong choice. Um, And there's no debating that in my world. Like I said, I can give you receipts any time of day. So so if you want to learn and you generally want to learn why you need to wear a mask, absolutely ask me for info, but there's a little thing called Google and you can probably go there as well. I don't know. This kind of turned out to be bookended by COVID, but I feel like a lot of things are bookended by COVID and that's such as our life right now. It's good to take little breaks to watch movies that make us happy or remind us of our childhood or let us at least disconnect from the world for an hour to an hour and a half to two hours, whatever, to listen to podcasts, to go for a walk, but just be aware of like what's going on around the world in in terms of your world and the people in your life and the people that you encounter and just start thinking more about each other. I always talk about believing the good, practicing random acts of kindness, but now more than ever, please look out for each other. Please look out for your neighbors, check in with them and make decisions that are not selfish. Like I would love to have the ability to go to the gym, but just because my gym is open, it's not safe for me to go right now and stop forcing some people into those positions because you want convenience. This is all going to be uncomfortable, but it can be over a little bit sooner if we just get through the discomfort. Amen. That's all I have to say. Boom, mic drop. Not really because if my mic dropped, it would make a really loud sound, but but I hope people do stay safe. I'm sorry I went on a diatribe near there near the end, but it's just it's enough is enough right now. Yeah, they needed to hear it. We all do. I don't want to see people that I love getting hurt by people who are selfish. That's what it breaks down to. It's not political. It's common sense. Mask up. Just do it. Nike, whatever. Okay. Slam dunk. All right. <laughs> Bye everyone. Stay safe. Whoop. <laughs>